0: Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Hustle podcast here on Sports Radio 810. We are presented by our friends at Charlie Hustle. My name is Jared Sutton. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen St. John. And, Stephen, before we get started, got to wish you a happy birthday. How Thank you doing? You. Well, I, you know what? I'm doing good. I'm
1: 51 now. I feel like I'm 71, but whatever. So maybe you meet me. Uh, you happy still look, look like a yeah. spring chicken. Do I?
0: Yeah, you do. The beard's looking good today. Unbelievable. You're looking good. Looking good. I have several offers to play
1: Santa Claus this holiday season, so I think I'm going to make some extra money on the side. All right, nice little side hustle. Yeah,
2: well, absolutely. Not, nothing
0: wrong with that. Ho, ho, ho. That's right. Well, we got a little gift uh, for our listeners today. Uh, we got a special guest, uh, an interview today with um, a guy that uh, I know have quite well, um, have had years of experience with him as a as a player, and um, he's not just been a teammate of mine, but a brother of mine. Um, it is Phil Pressy, and, and just a quick background before we bring Phil in into the conversation. Phil played for the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he is the son of Paul Pressey, 1982 first-round draft pick. Uh, the list of accolades for Phil Pressey can go on and on and on. He led the Big 12 Conference in assists, steals and assist-to-turnover ratio in 2011-2012. 2000, he was an All-American Honorable Mention nominee in two twenty thirteen. 2013 uh, he shares the Southeastern Conference single-game assist record at 19. We'll dive into that, uh, a game that Mizzou fans will know quite well. He also holds the Missouri single-game, single-season, and career assist record uh, and has numerous Missouri Steals records, including including career steals, and currently serves as an assistant coach with the Boston Celtics. Phil, welcome in. Uh, excited to have you, man. Excited to, to chat with you today.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. And, uh, Steven, happy birthday. I didn't know that.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. First of all, I'll just a big one observation. Okay, he he looks like he could still play at Missouri. Absolutely, you're talking about. I, I look. I know. I look 51. <laughs> Even you, you look like maybe you just graduated college about two years ago.
2: Hey, I I appreciate that. Phil
1: Pressy looks that. like he could suit up right now.
0: Phil could Missouri get on the Tigers. floor right now. now no guy, question. Hey,
2: these guys, these guys here, I, I, they keep me young. You know, and, you know, I'm 32, so I'm always younger than somebody, but I'm also always older. So the guys are always, you know, testing me every single day. And, you know, I'm just so fortunate to be in the position I am now.
0: So Phil, let's get don't jump right in. I I, I kind of want to start from from the beginning with you. Um, you know, you, you grew up in a, a basketball family. Obviously, y- your dad played and coached your, you and you know, your brother, Matt, who's another teammate of mine, uh, grew up playing basketball, mm-hmm. both in the Boston area uh, of Massachusetts, as well as Dallas. So uh you were you're you know, you're you're kind of the, the coach's son where your dad was had different jobs in the NBA and, and your family rooted to Dallas. Um just talk about kind of your, your love of basketball as a kid and and kind of how it got started for you.
2: Yeah, I mean starting at a young age, you know, I was kind of born into it. Um being able to, you know, live in different states because of my dad coaching. I was able to live in, you know, born in San Antonio, moved to Orlando. Uh, moved to Boston, and ended up finishing high school in Dallas, Texas. But, you know, that that was the beauty of it. Um, And now as I get into coaching, uh, that perspective has actually helped me. You know, as as a child, as a kid, moving a lot was difficult. But now, like I said, as I get into coaching, you know, I'm able to touch and relate to so many people because of moving. Um, But the game of basketball has been in my life my whole life. Uh, the reason why I coach is for the love of it. And that's why I am where I am now.
0: So obviously, you know, you're a great high school player, um, won an AAU national championship. Um, You get recruited by several schools and had a special connection with Mike Anderson. Uh, What was the recruitment process like for you, like just in high school, um, making those decisions? I, I know that you had a lot of offers, and was it a kind of a, a tough decision for you, or did you know all along that you were going to go play for Coach A? Uh,
2: I mean, I guess once I heard the story of how you know him and my my dad is connected, I think I was committed <laughs> a long time ago. Um, but you know, once I got to 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 Missouri, uh, Columbia, I was able to connect with the the current players like you and and the rest of the rest of the guys and then my brother was coming out of college I mean out of JUCO at the time and he was also being recruited by Missouri so uh, at the time Missouri was in the Big 12 so that means we were going back to Texas uh, you know a couple times a year so that played a big part Um, and I'm big I'm big on relationships and and Coach Anderson and the rest of the staff uh, they kind of you know, really dove into recruiting me hard. And, you know, I was able to to see life after basketball, which is, you know, where I'm at now. And having somebody like Coach Anderson kind of, you know, mentor me and kind of build my foundation, uh, it's helping me now.
0: Steven, you'll appreciate this story. So I remember Phil's visit to Columbia, um, we used to play pickup, and every now and then the recruits would, would get in and play pickup. I don't know if you'll remember this, Phil. I hope you do. But it was this. Mm-hmm. It was September. I think it was right before you maybe committed, like maybe a couple of weeks before you yeah. committed. And we had a pickup run on on Saturday, and it was kind of open to the public. And you were obviously a top target. Of you know, Mizzou fans knew who you were and knew how much you know we mm-hmm. wanted to bring you on. And you come in and play. You had the you had the the cornrows going. You had the dreads going. The you, know, you had the braids in, man. <laughs> And we're I remember there. There. we got put on like we I think we must have played seven or eight pickup games that day, and I got matched with you in five on five, and I must have hit like nine threes just catching <laughs> and just just being spotting up, and you just carving up defenses, man. and I was like, man, this guy is different. Like it was, it's, I, it's like a memory I have like ingrained in my mind of like the first time I you actually know, met you. You know
2: what memory? You know what memory I have that that I remember? It? You were. You used to get picked over me and pick up. Like <laughs> I think, you know, Steven Jared was probably the top one of the top players to be picked. Uh, when we play pickup during the summers, it's like a, our own hierarchy, right? The coaches don't pick the players, like the top, you know, the, the captains or whatever, they pick the teams. And Jared was one of the first guys. I'm like, how did But it makes sense. You know, it? like once once we started playing, he's one of the you're one of the best shooters that I played with. And as I go through through my career it's like every team I I have like I look better when I have shooters around me so like it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that that you say that because as I went to other teams throughout my career you know I had a joy of getting guys shots like you yeah you know so yeah that's 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 pretty crazy
0: well you're so unselfish I'm curious too like if when you were on your visit you know I I, I'm just curious if you felt because at that point you know, we, had, we were coming off the Elite mm-hmm. Eight run. Um, you know, our, our program was in a really good spot. Um, mm-hmm. But the culture was already kind of sustained. Um, and just Damari Carroll, Leo Lyons, Matt Lawrence departing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, you know, my, my class with Marcus and, and Kim and, and Steve. Um, you know, there, there was definitely the, the culture was kind of building. And you, you pretty much fit in and everybody knew it like on your visit. Did did you feel yeah. that as well and just the connection you had with guys and just a weekend on a recruiting visit?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you want to – one of the cool things that Mike Anderson said to me is you're going to have a chance to play, right? He didn't guarantee me any minutes, you know, which, you know, some coaches just say you're going to come in and start. You know, he never said that to me. He said you're going to have a chance to play. So everything I, I got or everything I got, I earned. Um, and we had a great team, you know, guys like Mike Dixon, like he pushed me to be the player I am today. Um, that competition, like you have to have competition in practice and that brings out the best in guys. So I think that's one of the biggest, you know, you know, ideas that Mike Anderson had was, was competition Mm -hmm. amongst his team. You know, you, you had guys like constantly going at it. Um, and that makes your better guys, you know, get better, and your guys who aren't so good improve. So, you know, that's that's something that I, you know, I highlighted before I committed to Mizzou. So there's
1: there's a there's a few things I wanna I wanna ask you about. I'm gonna jump around here, but uh, I think it's really interesting the collection of talent you guys had there, and I'm sure you're gonna add to it. But just jumping out to me, you. Turned out to be uh, an assistant NBA coach with a great future ahead of you in the coaching world. You got Kim English, who's the head coach uh, at Providence now, uh, a rising star in the college coaching ranks. You got Jared Sutton, who's uh, another rising star as an NBA scout. And I remember, especially when you had your big year, you know, and, and, and won over 30 games, you guys played such a beautiful brand of basketball and I remember the broadcast crews that always talk about the basketball IQ that was on display. Right, you guys had like some obviously some very bright basketball minds with, you know, future coaches and future scouts. Is there anyone else that I am missing that was on that roster? But just for you, for you three, like, did you was that was that apparent? Did that you, you guys did you guys look at Kimmy and think he's going to be a head coach one day, or or Jared did, was he with yeah. the or or you? Was that always something that was apparent? That because I think that does mean something, and that was a big yeah. reason for your success. You, you, you guys had future coaches and scouts on the roster that uh, I think gave you a decided advantage over some of the other teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in. Just I think when I I think of our group and that especially the 2011 2012 team, and I, I get this all the time, and I get this from NBA people that were scouting our teams when we were in school, and they 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 refer to that team as the most unselfish team, the, the, one of the most p- best passing teams that they had seen. And it starts with Phil, who was our point guard, who made everything go um, within just how he could see the game and his vision and his IQ. But there was so – I mean, we had a lot of talent, and we had guys that were just great players, but so bought in to winning and bought into each other. Uh, and even when I – you know, talking about pickup in the summers, like – those were some of the best battles were just in the summer and like the competition level. And it just, it was almost like iron sharpening iron. Um, And especially with the leadership of, of, of Kim and Marcus, um, you know, Ricardo that we got Matt Pressy uh, guys that came into the program as, as Juco guys that fit. And I give coach Anderson a ton of credit, like Phil touched on just because I think he identified the people uh, that he was bringing into the program. And then, you know, we'll touch on Frank Haith in a minute of just how he took that team in 2011-2012 and took it to where it was but I, I think there was a passion for it like everybody that was in our locker room loved the game they wanted to be around the game they wanted to work um, and, and just I think it, I feel very lucky and very fortunate to just have the opportunity to call these guys teammates because they made me better uh, both as a player and just understanding the game at a different level um, and that's that's what I touch back on all the time and it, it's a proud moment when you're out on the road or you are talking to people and they say, "Hey, where'd you play?" And you say, "Mizzou." And they're like, "What years?" And you t- bring up Phil, and you bring up Marcus, you bring up Kim, and they immediately go back to like, "Man, your teams were fun to watch, and so unselfish, and it looked like you guys were so, you know, connected." And um, yeah, I think that's what I'm most proud of with our teams.
1: What do you say, Phil?
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, um, seeing the you know other teams, you know, good coaches make teams who aren't as talented play better than what they are and I feel like you know at Mizzou you know we had guys who were talented but we always had the best team so even when games we weren't supposed to win or you know we're quote unquote the underdog we always won and I think that's the identity of Mike Anderson you know those are the type of guys he brought in were guys who you know would play with a chip on their shoulder who had something to prove um and the the standard was set once, you know, we started winning. Like Jared said, the Elite Eight, that was the standard. So that was what Mizzou fans started to, you know, get used to again. Um, And I feel like as recruits and, you know, guys coming in, you saw that. And the team, man, like Jared Jared was saying, the team, uh, that was the most important thing. and that's why now you see guys like Kim, Kim English, becoming a head coach, you know, Jared Sutton, he's going to go as high as he wants to go. And it's because what Mike Anderson instilled in this, you know, that was like our foundation to our life after basketball. Um, there's, there's lines and, you know, sayings that Jared can remember uh, <laughs> that he probably uses today, you know, in in, in his work life. Yep. Um, you know, one of the most uh lines line from Mike Anderson to me was <sighs> He used to say to one of our players, <laughs> you remember this, he used to say, You're open for a reason. I love remember that, Jared. <laughs> but, Absolutely. No, but Mike 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 Anderson, man, he had a good he had a good way of uh, of teaching life skills through basketball. And that's one of the most, you know, respectable things i can get from him
0: i i will say too phil like the that just kind of popped into my mind of if we had an off day and we were coming back from an off day with coach a he would always say i'm gonna get that off day out of you that
2: off day. After,
0: <laughs> yeah. and it was like oh man what like, was the one he you always used to say about the fighting the bear uh, fighting the bear yeah. oh man yeah if you see me fighting the bear go help the bear <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which was one of the uh, better pregame speeches he gave. That uh, w- I think we all were pretty much laughing, but it, it was the message was received. The message was received. I remember when he
1: used to come on the show back then, and uh, it, was, it was it was before he got things up and running, and he was talking about wanting to do forty minutes of hell. He said, well, right now it's, it's twenty five minutes of hell, and and uh, you know, in fifteen minutes, or you know, what the hell?" Right. And so, <laughs> but, I, I, but it was he was controlled chaos. Yeah, he, he, controlled he, chaos. He, so there's a couple of stories. A couple of stories that I, I, I know I gotta ask you about, right? And so I'm gonna try to get to them because because I don't wanna end the podcast. Like, Damn, yeah, I yeah, forgot to yeah, ask yeah. All right. So number one, you were talking about Mike Anderson and then Frank Haith. Okay. And I'll give you from the perspective of a Mizzou fan and someone that follow Mizzou and have to not to hear from Mizzou fans. When when Coach A leaves, everyone's thinking, Oh no, Phil's gonna Phil's gonna go with him. Yep. He's gonna to go to Arkansas, and I don't know. I'm I'm sure he did because social media wasn't what it is now, but I don't know if you yeah, if you quite understood the fear of Mizzou fans thinking, oh, okay, coach is gone, but is Phil is Phil leaving too? And so, was was there was that difficult for you at all? Was there even a decision to be made when that happened? Because that that had to be. I mean, for for the for the rest of the players, of course, that was difficult. But you talked about the relationship between Mike Anderson and your dad, that had to be extremely difficult for you because you're right there in the middle.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, you know, I think it pays it pays tribute to, you know, the team. You know, we, we had a close-knit team. Like, we did, you know, everything together. We had a good time off the court. Uh, and for me personally, like, I fell in love with the city of Columbia. You know, being able to, you know, get out and experience a Other things in basketball allowed me to, you know, ended up staying at Mizzou after uh, Coach Anderson left. And, you know, Coach Hake did a good job of recruiting. You know, that's tough. You know, when you come into a new situation, you have to re-recruit, you know, everybody. So for him to be able to come in and, you know, convince, uh, persuade the rest of the players like myself to stay, uh, it was all because of his vision and what he believed in and, you know being able to see what he wanted out of me uh actually helped me stay but i didn't go to i mean going to the university of missouri was you know coach a was a big part but there, there were other things that played a factor into it and i think the biggest thing was that team like that those guys that jared can you know agree with like we were brothers out there okay so
1: fast forward the mike anderson's coach arkansas frank case of mizzou and you're playing Arkansas and Mizzou Arena. Mm-hmm. And everyone remembers when it looked like like Frank Haith wanted yeah. to fight Mike Anderson. Hey, and well, I'll, was, never, yeah, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the, the look on, on Coach A's face. He was looking like, Are you serious? What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, he was, you know, because <laughs> they, they were friends, right? Oh, yeah. They, they oh, a yeah. to vacation together. And so, you know, and everyone, and I, I remember I was watching, I was there at the game, and what an incredible atmosphere. And everyone's going crazy. And I felt like that was the day that even. If you were still on the fence, that's the day everyone fell in love with Frank Haith, you know. Cause yeah, he's, he's, yeah, you know, yeah. but but people thought it was he got mad or started yelling because Coach A was talking to you during the game or in a timeout, mm-hmm. and he runs yeah. over to say, you know don't you be talking to my players or whatever, and it was <laughs> so what <laughs> can you please clear that up? What happened that because that is still one of the most memorable moments. Yeah. All hell was breaking loose.
2: That's, yeah, that that that's between you know. Frank and Mike. Um, but they're two competitors. You know, they're both they're both passionate about what they do. But did that and surprise it's, you? It's, it's you're like, Oh, hold, hold on now, what's nah, what's I mean, happening I here? I didn't I, I don't know what, what happened. <laughs> um, you know, during the during the basketball game, like you're so locked into what's you know, what's what the mission is or what your objective is, you know, you try to cancel what goes on. So that's between, you know, Mike, Mike and Frank. I'm not sure, but it's all love though. It's all love. I know they're good. Um, that was great. At that's the moment, just though. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 just part part of you know competition, um, I, especially two two great leaders. Like they both want their team to be successful. They both want their teams to win. So I know I know it's all part of sport.
0: I I remember going back into the locker room before the game to Arkansas's locker room because I was that was my first year out and I was in Santa Cruz uh, with the Warriors and I had a couple days the off Zufi and I'm. Hot. I immediately flew back for this game because I wanted to be there and uh, I, I remember going into the locker room to see Coach A and you know just to kind of gauge you know how he was doing I, I was texting with him during the day a little bit and he wanted me to come down and say hi to TJ and Coach Daniels and those guys and Coach Z and so I walk in and you could tell like Coach A just knowing him and how he operated before games and He just looked like he wanted that game so badly. Obviously, like you know, you know, like to to Phil's point about just the competitor. Coach A is a hardcore competitor. Like he's old school Nolan Richardson background. You know, like he's he's he was hungry for that win, and you could tell. Man, this uh, even going into the game, I'm like, this might get a little animated because obviously Coach Heath is the same way. Like he wanted this one really bad. He knows that he's taking over. Coach A's team, and these are, you know, he got labeled as these are Coach A's players, and he wanted to kind of put his stamp on the team in that first year, um, and this kind of leads me into, Phil, what I wanted to ask you, because I think about this a lot uh, in just my current day-to-day, um, you know, we, we're we always kind of creatures of habit, and you you think back of your high school experience with high school coaches, and then your college coaches, and you always get, you know, bits and pieces, uh, different ph- philosophical approaches different ways of going about things, different ways to communicate. Um and obviously Coach A was it's all about us. He didn't worry about the other opponent. He didn't care what the other opponent did. He was worried about how we executed, how we did our our brand of basketball is kind of how I envision it. With Coach Haith, it was much different in terms of, you know, game planning and strategy and walkthroughs and system. And I I just feel like it was such a great experience to have two different styles I mean with coach A it was fast paced tempo you had to love playing in that just because I mean especially as a shooter as a primary ball handler that was such a great creator like coach A's system was fantastic but I also think there was so much good in coach Hay's system because in the half court we used to operate and execute at such a high level we we would just carve up defenses and get whatever we wanted you have to like take that experience too did you take that to your the, the pro game and like Do you refer back to that ever of just how lucky that was for us to have two different styles?
2: Man, that's that that that's that's a good good point that you're talking about, especially with Coach A. You know, in any type of like with coaching, any type of leadership, uh, you have to have a system. Uh, Without a system, there's there's chaos. As a good friend once told me, Uh, and Coach A had his system, and Frank H had his system. Both worked effectively. Uh, for me, being able to play in Coach Haith, uh, Coach Mike Anderson system it uh, was more up and down, as you said, uh, controlled chaos. I was able to kind of play to my strengths, uh, which was my speed and quickness, and you know, playmaking ability. But then when Coach Hayes came in, it was more of a you know, uh, like you like you mentioned, sh- strategic. Uh, you're trying to emphasize, you know, taking advantage of a certain uh, weakness in the defense and what I remember with him is horns action mm-hmm. like that's like why I really learned how to play out of the horns action was was, was with uh Frank Hayes uh, and then as I went through my career I was able to be better at it because I worked on that in college so you know it's it's it was a blessing to have you know both uh, perspectives and that's why I I enjoy or I love coaching today is because I'm able to Use the perspectives that I gained throughout my career, and kind of create my own system, you know. So yeah. I'm I, I'm fortunate to play for both of those, you know, great head coaches. Okay, so
1: I, I'm just and here's a warning here. So I, I do a podcast where I curse a lot, and so I gotta try to bite my tongue. <laughs> if if I cuss, can you bleep it out? Okay, because there's certain losses in mm-hmm. my life. Mizzou, Chiefs, maybe Royals, that I don't talk about because I don't need that negativity in my life and mm-hmm. it makes me angry and I'm not over it because I just try to compartmentalize mm-hmm. it, all right?
2: <laughs>
1: I know where this is going. Yeah, I, think. Well, I, I know where it's going, <laughs> and so, Hey, I already know.
2: And then that, that's fine, okay?
1: Know. Last game between Missouri and Kansas, Allen Fieldhouse, all right? You got a chance to win the game in regulation. Mm-hmm. Thomas Robinson and you collide, all right? I'm just going to tell you, okay, that was a foul. I know it. Oh, yeah. You know it. You know it. Kansas yeah. fans. Ben's the Kansas fan producer. Don't get mad. Yeah. You won the game. You won the game. <laughs> you, but don't lie to me. and Don't lie to yourself anymore. That was a foul. It was a foul. Yeah. I'm watching. I I I can't believe it. I'm watching this. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Where's where, where, Where's the call? Where's the whistle? He did. He lose his whistle. I can't believe this. And we all talk about the Allen Fieldhouse calls. I'm looking. You can't. Someone, oh, get, yeah. someone's got to step in. Yep. So, so Phil, please take me through that, and take me through what was going through your mind, because you should have been at the free throw line winning the yeah. game.
2: Uh, I mean, like it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you know we weren't able to win that game. Like, I tell people to this day that's probably the craziest environment. Yep. You know, I, and I played, and I was able to play in Europe at some of the you know top top countries. Which the fans are—it's so similar to college, but that Kansas environment, you know, that rivalry is is next level. So, you know, as, as I think back on that moment, you know, it sucks, but that's that's part of the that's part of the game, and you know, you can always learn something from one of your biggest losses. And I know I'm gonna be in that position as a coach, hopefully one day. And that comeback was none like. Yeah, that's probably one of the craziest games I've been a part of, man. Yeah, I. But were I, you
1: guys like you were like, what are you? That's a. I mean, oh for sure
2: it, yeah, was, for, it was it was all day, but that you know it, you know to to you know to our part you know you got to take blame, and it's like that game we were up twenty at half. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's where I was. going to look go. I look
2: back, and I'm like, man, like, and that's and that's where you know, you know, the success of teams, you know, it rises and falls on leadership, you know, and I've been in, in on good teams to where. I can be better as a leader and I've been on, you know, teams that weren't so good that, you know, I could have been also better as a leader. So it's like, now you look back, you're like, man, if I can go back, I would have did it this way. Like, yeah, you too. Like there's certain things, you know what you know at the time. Oh yeah. And if you can, and if you can learn something from that, for me, it's just, you know, that, I just well, he's, I mean, he's, he's I, like me.
1: He's still emotional about it. I yeah, right? I mean, oh yeah, all day. Yeah, I, mean, I will
2: be all all day. This, this that's gonna that's all day every day. I try not even. I try not to think about that's it. That's right. I can't. That's why it brings it up. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I had to do it, but I apologize. It's a it's
0: Thank a sure. it's a it's a thirty it's a thirty and five season, and there you know like thirty wins, and the, there's I mean the two losses obviously the the because K, K, you're closing out the Big Twelve before Mizzou goes mm-hmm. to the SEC. So we beat yeah, that, that would have been a sweep yeah, of K- of Kansas, sweep. and we would have won in Allen Fieldhouse to end that series. Right. But I think you know, Phil. I know you you'll you'll say this like so much is about the and it was like you were fouled, no question. It was right in front of me on the mm-hmm. baseline where I'm sitting. You can clearly see it. But there's parts of that second half like there's a few possessions that yeah. just kill me, both offense and defense, where we miss a box out. We we took a bad shot. When we're running, I think we were running money, and and we, you know, it was we had Marcus coming off screen, and we took a we took a bad shot, you know, we had a bad possession, we had a bad turnover, we shouldn't have been in that position. That's what's frustrating, because um, I, I mean, being up nineteen, and you could hear a pin drop in Allen Fieldhouse, and then oh
2: yeah, yeah, we were we were calling plays like you can hear. <laughs> just think about going through like a, a shoot around, and you're just calling your plays. Yeah. Like no fans. Yeah. That's, that's literally how it felt. When
0: we when we would practice with we, crowd noise and hand signals, oh, you know, going into the yeah. game knowing you're not gonna be able to communicate. So you it know, hap-
2: it happened though. Like, like you have to you have to be able to communicate, you know, to your team. It's like it's like it's not like what the information you're giving to the team. Yeah. Right? You yeah. can tell them, oh, this is gonna happen. It's what your team is hearing. So if if the players aren't hearing and they're not understanding what you're saying, you're pretty much just talking. Yep. So like being able to get your players, like to understand, like, Oh, we were up 20 and we can call out whatever plays, but there's going to be a time to where you're not. And trying to get the team to understand that, like as a player, I never really took uh, what the coaches said, like to heart, like you, you, you believed them. Right. But now getting on this side, Coaches watch so much film. What they're saying is going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. When you it's, think it's, when you think back to to like you have such a good perspective of that 2011 2012 season, my senior year, winning 30 games. You know, it's such a special season. Um, then the Big 12 ends, and you start year one in the SEC um, with Alex Oriaki, Ernest Ross, Keon Bell, uh, Jab- Jabari Brown. Uh, you know, you talk about guys that were. That was such a great team. And t- Lawrence Bowers is coming back from the ACL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys had a, a squad, a very talented team. Um, was it different that year? No, I mean, we, you had lost all. You know, the senior class that left, your brother included in that, in the 2011-2012 season. Then, then you're kind of the guy. You and Lawrence, right? Like, you guys are the staple of that team um what what do you draw from just the transition from the Big 12 to the SEC and just that season that you guys had (laughs) there's a lot of expectation a lot of highlights for you first of all Mm -hmm. in that season for sure that we can touch on but what was kind of the the difference I guess from going from that 2011-2012 team to the 12-13 team a lot of new faces a lot of talent but just kind of a different you know different type of team I guess going into that first year in the SEC.
2: Yeah, and that's, you know, like, you know, shout out to Lawrence Bowers Elbow. He had that foundation that Mike Anderson put uh into him. Um, you know, he was part of that Elite Eight team. He was he had great leadership with, you know, Damare and um uh, being able to learn from that, that that squad allowed him to be a better leader once we were put in those shoes. Yeah. Um, so for me that was my Really, my first time in college to where I could like call myself, you know, the top, top, one of the top players. And, you know, we, we, we struggled. We had times where we were great, we had times where we weren't so great. Um, and being able to learn from guys like you, um, Kimmy, you know, Marcus, my bro, Ricardo, I was able to kind of go back and fall on, you know, what you guys taught me. Um, but it was it was a great year being able to play in at places like you know Rupp arena uh you know at Arkansas that was a tough game um and that that's a tough place to play at. yeah <laughs> and being like it, it, it's it's cool because I played in the big twelve for a couple of years and then my my third my junior year, I was able to you know play against other schools around the country uh I enjoyed it man the SEC now is i think is one of the top you know leagues mm uh, I don't know where you where you were ranked the SEC, but that's a pretty good team. You saw, you know, Arkansas beat Duke the other day. They've made a heavy investment in bringing in marquee
1: coaches and no I know question. Chris Beards in the SEC now. But you know, speaking of SEC coaches, you were around Dennis Gates, and yep. he had tremendous success in his first year. Uh, and now you see the recruiting is starting to pay off. And so I'm just curious uh, if, if a Mizzou Fan were to ask you uh, why uh, you think Dennis Gates is the guy to take this team to the next level and maybe even hopefully uh, compete for a Final Four. I think a lot of people are sold sold on him, but you have a unique perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, and I like you know uh, Uncle Cy. Uh, nah, uh, who's why <laughs> I love his tweets, Uncle Cy. Oh, he's right. fantastic. Uh, but but the, the, uh, and he deserves a lot of credit too. But uh, why should Mizzou fans be so excited about? What this staff is capable
2: of moving forward. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I said it before. I'll say I'll say it again. You know, the success of any team, any organization, it rises and falls on leadership. And Coach Coach Gates does a good job of leading. Um, he gets the team to believe in a vision, and everybody uh, feels like they can uh, win it all. Um, and it, it's done by the daily daily deposits. He does a good job of being intentional about you know everything uh, and the players see it they feel it so being able to, to learn from him in my first year what was amazing he always talks about uh, winning the transition so in basketball there's so many transitions um, and there's times where you can get caught up and thinking about what just happened but he, he has the next play uh, next action, next thing mindset. He's always one step ahead, um, and he has he has he did a good good job of you know hiring a great staff, and he he knows that how important his assistants are in helping him you know be where he is. So, I'm I'm all in on Gates man. He did a great job, and for me to be uh, this is my second year in the coaching. So my first year was last year with with them. Uh, he, he he did a great job of leading and getting the team to believe. And I know Mizzou fans are believing in him, uh, but it, it's basketball, there's going to be ups and downs. But if, if you just keep at it, keep being persistent, like like I know, you know, he is, you know, the sky's the limit.
0: Phil, so I wanted to ask you, you bring such a good perspective of making the jump from high school to college. I don't think people realize the jump and to adjust to the speed, uh, the athleticism, like college is so different than high school. Then you made the jump. Uh, First off, you you forgo your last year to enter the draft. Um, you, you, you know, jump on an NBA roster. You're playing in the NBA. You had to earn your stripes, you know, at the NBA level. It wasn't just something where you were walking in as a first-round pick. You really had to carve out your niche. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, goes over, l- looked a little bit. You know, you played in the, the G League, D League, uh, and you worked your way up, which I think is you know so commendable um, of just your kind of your grind to get where you were in the NBA and then you go on to play overseas as well. Just I, I'm curious, how, how did you adjust to like going from college to the NBA game, knowing it's a different game? It's a different style. Uh, you're around the best in the world. Um, was that like was there ever an NBA moment where you're like, man, this is different, um, and, and just how did you process that? How did you adjust to moving from college to the NBA?
2: Um, the biggest adjustment that I had to make was not being the best player on the team. You know, my, my whole life, I always felt when I stepped on the court, um, you know, I, w- I was the best. So you get, you get to the NBA and that's not, that's not happening. So you have to figure out a way to, you know, be resilient um, keep working on your game and, and, and believe in yourself. Uh, me being, me being a smaller player on the court, you know, you have to play with a chip on your shoulders. So that's kind of been my mindset. Um, when I was in high or middle school, my, my goal was to, you know, make it to high school. When I was in high school, the goal was to go to college. And once I got to college, the goal was to go to the NBA. So it was always what's next. It wasn't for me. It was more about, you know, just, being patient and getting there. Um, And then once I got there, you know, there was times to where you were playing. There was times where you weren't playing. Um, Throughout my career, I was, you know, I've been cut. Um, I've never been traded. I've been cut uh, multiple times. So it just gives you that, like, that word you've been saying, that perspective that no matter what happens, uh, the one thing you can control is your attitude. So. I just always had that positive mindset that you know allowed me to keep going, because there was definitely a lot of times where you know I could have stopped. And when I say that, it's like when you get cut, or when you're not playing, or you're not able to, you know, do what you love, it gets hard. So, being able to have that that positive mindset, you know, allowed me to you know play in the NBA and you know do pretty do a good job. So, uh, so Phil, I think I told you the
1: story back when uh, when you were playing at Mizzou. My youngest son, Phil, was playing mm-hmm. in, you know, on his grade school team. I was one of the assistant coaches. And so you were his favorite player. And so he made the rest of the team start calling him Flip for the whole season. So we had Flip St. John <laughs> playing off the bench. Uh, and so I told him that we were going to have you on the podcast today. Do you have any questions? And Phil's a big NBA fan, so he's trying to come up with a good question. So uh, here, uh, on behalf of Flip St. John, here's his <laughs> question for you. He's he's a big fan of all the trades and all the offseason moves, and follows all this in mm-hmm. the NBA. And so he was uh, he thought it was a great deal. He loved the deal for Kristaps uh, Porzingis uh, to come to Boston. KP. He, he, he's one of his favorite players to watch. So he wanted me to ask you what that addition has meant, what's it like to coach him and be around him, because obviously it's seven foot two. He's a hell of an athlete and a very unique player to watch. And he's been a big impact player for you guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, when, when, you, when you think about it, it's like you get, you get guys who are able to adapt to the modern game. You know, like at that position, seven, two, you want your five man to be able to shoot the basketball um, and he could do that. But then you also want a good defender and he can protect the rim. So like his ability to be, like you said, unique uh, in that position is it's special. Um, he's able to, when guys get beat on defense, he's able to protect the rim. Um, if you switch with him in the post, he can play in the post. Uh, he's just so versatile uh, at that at that size. He's seven two, uh, and he, and he's a good human being. Um, you know, everybody loves him. Uh, a, lot, a lot of lot good energy and. You know, you can't ask for anything better.
0: Phil, how important was the year last year with Coach Gates? I mean, you were on the floor a lot working with, you know, Kobe Brown and DeMoy Hodge and obviously Mm -hmm. Nick Honor and Sean East. And then then you go from that situation at Mizzou and then you're around Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown. You know, do you ever kind of take a step back and think, like, how much you're soaking up, not just from the coaching side of it, but just – as you know, in the NBA, those relationships you build with players, understanding how mm-hmm. to talk to guys, your perspective as a player, too, goes a long way. Uh, there's a, that respect factor, knowing that you've done it. Um, how has that like, adjustment been and just the experience that you gained in that first year? Because obviously you could have kept playing. Yeah, You, know, you, you could have continued to play overseas. You decided to stop to get into coaching, and now here you are in year two and you're working with some of the best players in the world, like, do you, do you ever take a step back and think, man, like, do, do you miss playing ever? I'm assuming you do, and then, but you gotta be loving what you're doing right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I miss the, the competition, right? And and being able to get out there and go through warm ups and, yeah. you know, really like think the game. Um, but I, I, I get to scratch my itch. You know, I play with, you know, we have our staff pick up games we play. Um, and then you know when they need a guy to hop out there with the with the players, I can still do that. So, you know that that scratches my itch for for playing. But you know I'm just so you know appreciative of the position I'm in now because of like you said, working with guys like Kobe and Demoy and you know Trey Gomillion and Dre Goldston like those guys like that. You know they want to be where these guys are right now. Mm -hmm. So having that perspective of seeing how good those guys in college um, and then coming up to seeing guys like Porzingis and, you know, Holiday and seeing where they're at, I get to see that gap. You know, I get to see, like, where those guys are trying to get and what they have to do to get there. Um, It's pretty cool. And, you know, I'm big on note-taking, you know, journaling. So I'm able to reflect on what I learned last year to where where I'm at now. And that it's crazy, man. Like it's 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 a humbling, you know. It's it's humbling to be where I'm at now.
1: Tell me more about this staff pick game. There ain't nobody guarding you, right? Like, I mean, what what, what <laughs> kind of competition are you going up against? What do you what No, no, no. We come got on. we
2: got some Hoopers, man. Who you got, got? Who you yeah. got who, besides you? Who's who's the best player? Uh, we got Emil Jefferson, man. yeah, okay. he's, he's a yeah. dookie. He, he, he's a dookie. Um, and, he, and he's in a similar position I am, right? He he has to be twenty nine, thirty. Uh, and he made that, you know, that trade off of, you know, now for for later, you know, you're once you get in your 30s, you can keep playing until you're 35, 40. But you know, if you want to get into coaching, it's a process, you know. So being able to start now and kind of learn on the fly, uh, it, it's been it's been great for me.
0: Phil, last one for me is like, do you? Because I, I think back to like some of your best moments uh, in college, and you've had you had great moments as a pro. Um, the UCLA game jumps out right uh, when your, your last year, 19 assists uh, at UCLA, yeah. one of the better games you know you you could play as a point guard. Um, it was just wizardry at different times, eyes in the back of your head making passes. But it, it, is there a moment that you draw as like your top moment in college and, and even your top moment as a pro? Uh, I know that's I always get asked that of like best win, and it's it's so hard to say because I mean we're we're mm-hmm. fortunate we had we had. And my four years, best four years at Mizzou, and you're a huge part of that. So, any anything that jumps out is like a memorable moment for you that you think back on.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a, you know, personal. That's a personal, you know, moment for me. But probably at home against Kansas when we, when we beat him, when Marcus Dimmon went nuts, that was probably like one of my <laughs> all time. Know, now we're talking all time. Weaker one of my weaker performances as a player, but that's one of my most. Uh, Rememberable moments as a player is because of that. Um, Just the atmosphere, you know, you can tell everybody on the team wanted to win it so bad, uh, not just for, you know, our team's sake, but for the city. You know, the city of Columbia, they love Mizzou. So being able to be a part of that, you know, that moment of history is is special. Okay, my last one
1: I'm an idea guy, all right? I think outside the box. So I'm always looking in, I'm always thinking about this. I don't know. I'm, I don't want to put a timetable on it. Let's say 10 years down the road, there's an NBA franchise. Maybe it's in Kansas City. I don't know. GM, head coach. Nah. I'll retire <laughs> hey, from play, my hey, radio hey, job. That's, That's right. right. Hey, hey. I'm speaking into existence. I'll host we'll a pre the post-game show. All right. Flip St. John could be the Midwest uh, regional, <laughs> regional scout. We'll bring in Dell Sutton and Richie St. John to be the musical directors. Yep. Have them perform the before national and after the games, yep. or whatever yeah. the yeah. national anthems. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah, you guys could add whatever other. Let's just like make this, this happen.
0: I like this idea. Yeah, I'm I'm make this happen. Take a note. I'm All taking right? note of this.
2: All right. No, that's definitely. Let's go ahead and let's manifest that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, working working with Phil one day would be uh, would be a, a, a special thing for sure. Just because. that nah, I mean, th- thinking back to. I mean, just meeting you as a as a recruit, and then the experience we had as teammates. Um, you know, you being at my that's wedding awesome. meant so much to me. Both you guys awesome. at my wedding, was so. great. We had a great special game. time.
2: And that's 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 the cool thing about basketball. There's so many different ways that it can uh, you know make an impact. You know, like Stephen, he, he's a he's a fan, but he's a basketball enthusiast. Like he loves the game. You know, Jared. Now that you're you know in the front office of scouting, you're not playing no more, but you're still a part of it. And now for me. Being able to be uh, coaching now, you know I'm not playing, but I'm still coaching, and it all started, you know, for the love of the game. Yeah. You know, we all love the game, and that's why shit, shit. This uh, this conversation is happening right now.
0: Yeah, but I feel like I w- I was in Santa Cruz. You were in Santa Cruz as well. Uh, we both had Casey Hill as our head coaches. Coach, yeah. Um, I actually like when I was in Santa Cruz. It was the first year after that 2011-2012 season so obviously when you're in college you know you got the the charter flights you're staying in nice hotels you know it's it's Mm -hmm. great D League different story um you know living in a hotel room myself for seven months and I definitely found a new appreciation and a new love of the game after I got done playing and I you know obviously I was a walk-on and and part of a team that had just superior talent and guys that went on to play in the NBA and All-Americans and all that all that stuff but When I got to Santa Cruz, we had Seth Curry, um, we had Dwayne Denman, uh, we had a lot of guys. We had, uh, you know, Marshawn Brooks who came down on assignment. Um, So just when you think back to just having this understanding of, wait a second, there's another level of love and, and even so much more learning that goes on after leaving college and getting into the G League and then going up and seeing Steph and Clay and Draymond practice and you're like wow, like this game is even bigger than I thought it was. And same thing when I left high school to go to college, it was like, dang, this is different. Like this is, I've never been a part of something like this and it just keeps getting better and better. And did you, did you, I mean, your perspective is different because you played for, 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 you know, so long as a professional, but the the love of it kind of keeps going as you keep kind of finding out these experiences that you have and opportunities and just, just different people you meet in the business as well.
2: Yeah, man. I, I, we go back to it, but it's about that perspective, right? It's it's crazy. Like, for you to be where you want to get to, you have to go through what you're going through now. Yeah. And when you get to wherever your goal is or your quote-unquote final destination, it's like you'll be able to work with somebody in that position because you have that perspective. You know, and, mm-hmm. and for me to be a grad assistant last year at the University of Missouri was like, you know, if I ever want to be a head coach, um, in college, that perspective of me being a grad assistant is gonna allow me to connect with the grad assistants who will work for me or work with me. Um, so it's all about perspective, man. And having that G League for me, like I look, I think about those bus rides and it actually set me up for when I went to Europe because I ended up doing the same exact thing. And because I had that perspective, it was allowed me to kind of be okay with those bus rides and not, you know, neglect them as much.
0: Well, Phil, we appreciate you jumping on, man. Thank you for for your time. Yes, sir. You got to, you're thank on a game day. Um proud of you, man. Just so excited for your future. Um done so much in the game and such a great dude. So, thank you for jumping on with us.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. My right, brother. And thank All you right, to Charlie see.
1: Hustle for sponsoring this wonderful podcast. House of Hustle, <laughs> charliehustle.com for all of your, uh, you know, Mizzou gear. Yep. they Got Gotta a great that swag. They have a Brady Cook t-shirt I want immediately after I get my Luther Burton t-shirt, after I get the Mizzou
0: Tigers all print varsity Cook.
1: jacket. King Cook. That's right. Exactly That's right. right. charliehustle.com. Until the next episode, thanks for listening to House of Hustle, Jared Sutton. I
0: hey, appreciate it. Thanks so much, Stephen, for, uh, for jumping after your birthday. But, hey, Kansas City, House of Hustle for hustlers. That's right. That's right.
1: Kansas City is for hustlers.